Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The first two chapters of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians are very rich in their presentation of Christ. Paul clearly was doing all he could to bring the troubled Corinthians to Christ in their experience. But in chapter 3, Paul turns his focus to the church. Though not in shallow, or superficial language. Rather, he speaks in marvelous, profound expressions, referring to the church in types, first as a farm growing, producing a rich crop, then as a building, and ultimately as a temple, a divine dwelling place, built out of priceless materials such as gold, silver, and precious stones. Of course, these materials are not literal either but types of the transformation work that the Holy Spirit is engaged in with all of us, God's redeemed. Bob Danker has joined us today as we begin this rich and rather lengthy section in the life study of 1 Corinthians dealing with the church. Bob, glad you could be here. It's good to be back, Chris. Actually, uh, this section in chapter 3, as you say, it is very, very crucial. This matter of the church... You know, there's so much misunderstanding about the church, yeah. what it is, right. how to practice the church. And now we're going to see something here in 1 Corinthians 3, very intrinsic concerning the what the church really is. Of course, Bob, uh, we will hear Witness Lee, I think, mention uh, today and possibly in the messages in the coming days when he was really dwelling on this uh, topic. In this chapter, which is really on the church, unmistakably, Paul doesn't even use the term church. Uh, it's always referred to in these uh, uh, these rich types and, and figures, uh, God's cultivated land or God's farm, God's building, and eventually even the temple. And the materials that the church is built out of, these uh, precious things, gold, silver, and precious stones. So Paul, it seems really has elevated his presentation, his language, not appealing to the natural thought and taste of these uh, Christians that were Greek in their culture and heritage, but really in spiritual language, doesn't he? That's right. And he uses, as you said, many different kinds of pictures, like a farm, yeah. for instance. And he says that the church is built of gold, silver, and precious stones. Of course, this cannot be uh, materials, uh, literal physical materials. These are all symbols of something spiritual. Well, in the coming days, we're going to delve into the, this chapter, this portion, quite extensively. Let's begin today. I want to read a few verses at the beginning of chapter 3 here. I'm going to start with verse 4, uh, somewhat as a backdrop to indicate what Paul was dealing with. Of course, in chapter 1, Paul had brought up the matter, the problem of division that had crept into the church and was really plaguing the church in Corinth. He somewhat now refers to that again as he gets into this section in chapter 3. For when someone says, I am of Paul, and another, I of Apollos, 
Are you not men of flesh? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Ministers through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to each one of them. I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. So then neither is he who plants anything, nor he who waters, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's cultivated land, God's building. Of course here, Bob, he's referring to this a condition that had come to exist in Corinth, whereby the believers were aligning themselves, one group with Paul and another group with Apollos, each really choosing their favorite, right, in the ministry. That's right. And Paul was doing his best to help the Corinthian believers to turn away from looking at their favorite minister of Christ Mm -hmm. and to turn to God. And because God is the only one who could cause them to grow. And this was their real need. What they lacked was the growth. Very good introduction. Let's join Witness Lee, Bob, and then we'll be back. In chapter 3, you don't have this term, the church. Yet, actually, what is covered in this chapter is the church. And Paul uses three expressions for the church. The farm, the building, and the temple. Paul begins with Christ and continues with the church. You have to be impressed that where Christ is, there must be the church. If you have Christ, you must be in the church. Christ and the church cannot be divided. Now, in chapter 3, the church is God's farm and God's building. The uh, word farm in Greek means cultivated land. When a land is cultivated, that becomes a farm, right? You have to realize all the plants in this farm of God are members of the church. So the farm is the church, and the plants are the members of the church. We become members of the church, not by a social way, but by the way of planting. Paul says, you are plants. I planted you into the church, which is God's farm, to grow Christ. Now, to realize that you are planted is not a small thing. As a plant in the church farm, you have to grow. You must grow. Without growth, you are useless. I do believe too many believers today, they just live without growth. They don't grow. You see, I hope that none of you is one that lives but not grows. You must grow. We all have to be desperate. Lord, give me the growth. Give me the growth.
Bob, let's limit ourselves here to what he focused on, the first of these three uh, types that he uses to speak of the church in chapter 3. And the first one, of course, is matter of being God's farm, God's cultivated land, and a kind of a vision that I think is incorporated in this, and that is to see what we are in God's farm. That's right. It's marvelous. Paul said, you, this is plural, you. Yeah. You all. You all. Taken collectively now. You are God's farm, or you're God's cultivated field. The symbolism here is quite striking. It indicates that all the believers as members of the church are plants on God's farm, and that God in his economy has a farm with all the believers as plants, planted on God's farm. Of course, every farmer who plants has the hope that the seed that he plants will ultimately grow up to produce a crop that is very useful to the farmer. And God is no exception. God is the divine farmer, and he's planted us into his field so that we may grow. And this matter of growth is very, very crucial here in the book of 1 Corinthians. In the first part of this chapter, Paul said, I tried to feed you with solid food, but I couldn't. I could only feed you with milk. Right. You're still, you are still infants in Christ. So there's a strong implication there that what's needed is growth. His desire to give the believers there the spiritual solid food, unable to do so because they lack this very significant item of growth, maturity, development. And that really should become a very uh, uh, important part of our daily prayer to the Lord. As he said right at the end here, Lord, give me the growth. Uh, in this coming section, what we want to see, and I think there, you, you mentioned a moment ago, a moment ago, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the church is. I would say even in relation to this matter of what real spiritual growth is, there's equally a lot of misunderstanding. Some of us may have the concept that I need to grow, but actually what is growing here, we see uh, more clearly brought out in Colossians chapter 2, 19, all the body being richly supplied and knit together by means of the joints and sinews grows with the growth of God. The growth is the growth of God that is needed in the church, his body. Let's go back to Witness Lee. You have to realize you grow to produce Christ. The central point on chapter 3 is all together to grow Christ. As we are going to grow Christ, we must go back to chapters 1 and 2 to see Christ there. Not only read the text, but also then pray and pray read until yourself will get into those two chapters. I do believe they will fertilize you. They will water you. And they will impart the element, the very substance of Christ into your being. And spontaneously, you will not only grow, but also grow to produce Christ. And this was Paul's intention. You see, Paul, in the first two chapters, he presented us a strong picture how Christ should be our portion, our enjoyment, our life, our living, our contents of life, our everything. And whatever you will produce will be Christ as 
the building materials. The church is built with Christ. Not with Christ that comes down from the heaven, but with Christ who has been your experience. In the life study of Exodus, concerning the tabernacle, the first section gives us a record of the materials used for the building of the tabernacle. Those were materials created by God. But those God-created matters should be firstly gained by God's redeemed people. And all these offered materials will be the proper materials for the building of the tabernacle. All the riches of Christ are here, but you must gain them. You must possess them. You must enjoy them. You must experience them until they become your possession. Then you bring what you have experienced of Christ to the church and offer them to the Lord, then this will be the materials for the building up of the church. Bob, there were some intriguing uh, utterances in this section. I want to pick up one and, and maybe use that as a focus for our time here. He said, um, the church is built with Christ, but not with the Christ that comes down from the heaven, but with the Christ who has been your experience. Of course, the Christ who saves us is the one that came down from heaven, who became flesh and dwelt, tabernacled among us. But the one for the building up of the church, of course, it's the same Christ, but in another aspect. It's uh, Christ in a different way, isn't it? That's right. You know, through God's salvation, this Christ has been given to us by God. He has entered into us and has become our life. God's desire is that we would experience this Christ in our daily living. We would enjoy his riches, and even we would be filled with the riches of Christ. These riches of Christ would be constantly increasing within us through our experience and enjoyment of Christ. This is our growth, and this is the growth of Christ in us. And this Christ whom we gain in this way, by experiencing him, enjoying him, and growing with him, or having him grow in us, increase in us, this is the Christ that we then offer to God for the building of his dwelling place. Just as the children of Israel in yeah. Exodus, they gained the, these different kinds of materials that were used to construct the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. The people themselves had to offer these materials to God. And then they were used in the tabernacle. But first, they had to gain these materials and possess them. Then they could offer them. This is a marvelous picture of uh, our need today is to enjoy Christ, to experience Christ, to gain Christ, to grow with Christ. Then this Christ who grows in us, who fills us with himself, then becomes the very material that God uses to build up his dwelling place on this earth, which is, we know, the church. Bob, we've been talking uh, about this verse particularly, I would say, uh, verse 6 in chapter 3, I planted, Apollos watered, but God 
caused the growth. And we've really been focusing on the growth. In the last segment today, we want to go back now and look at what Paul's contribution was and what Apollos's contribution was. And that, of course, was to plant and to water and how those uh, contributions really have an application for each of us. Let's join Witness Lee once more. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered. But you shouldn't think only Paul and Paulus, they are responsible for the planting and watering. We all should do the planting. We all should do the watering. If a weak brother come to you, you should water him. You should feed him. You should put a little fertilizer around him. Maybe tomorrow, a weak one will come to you. You just water. Give him a little water. And then after two days, the Lord will send you another one. And you water him spontaneously. And after another two days, the Lord will send you the servant. You just water him. You believe me, after these three times of watering, you got water. You got water. And that is a real revival. We are short of such a practice. Why? Because due to our background, we understand Paul's word in this way. Uh-huh. Paul was an apostle. And Apollos was a good teacher. So they could plant, they could water. Who am I? Who am I? I'm nothing. I'm just a small potato. <laughs> huh? You have to drop the concept. I assure you, there's always someone weaker than you. The church is the body of Christ. And in the body, there is not one member that doesn't function. You, when you are sick, all the members of your body function. They work. You shouldn't consider that only the elders, the experienced ones, the spiritual giants, they could help others. You shouldn't consider this way. You have to consider that you must help others. You just look to the Lord. Lord, grace me and mercy upon me that I would leave you to water others. Let us have a proper practice of the church life. Everyone should plant. Everyone should water. Well, he touches something uh, that gets very close to home here. Uh, of course, here were these two gifted ones, Paul the Apostle and Apollos. We know Apollos, of course, was a, a gifted speaker. Uh, you know, it was easy for him to stand and speak and have many people uh, enjoy his speaking. And so it's easy for the Corinthian believers, just as it's easy for us to sit back and let these gifted giants do this work of planting and watering. But uh, the message we're getting here is not that at all, is it, Bob? It's certainly not, Chris. We have to see that every believer is a plant. We all are plants. That means that includes Paul and Apollos. They were plants, <laughs> as well as planters and waterers. Yeah. They were plants. That means they also needed watering. Who would water them? Would only God be able to water them? No. The picture here is that we're all plants on God's farm. We all need to grow. In order to grow, we need water. 
then we also have to understand that we all are planters and we all are waterers. Paul and Apollos were not professional planters and waterers, and the rest of us are only receiving the watering from them. We need to water one another. This is a tremendous point here and a great need in the church. You know, we may have the concept that the way to help people to grow is to teach them how to behave or how to do this or how to do that. Right. Or to correct them or to uh, even rebuke them if they're wrong or to have some correction. A lot of all those things a going on out there. A lot of things going on <laughs> yeah. like that. But this is really not the watering uh, that's needed. What every believer needs is more of the heavenly divine water. And we know from the scriptures this water is just Christ himself as the life-giving spirit. So every one of us should be those who plant. How do we plant? We plant by preaching the gospel, by planting Christ into people. Then, once uh, they receive Christ, then we need to go on to care for them in the church by watering them, by ministering Christ to them as the life-giving spirit that they may grow. So every believer, every member of the church is a plant and also a planter and a waterer. So we should not have the concept that only certain ones can do the planting and the watering. Yeah, we're going to see this point developed in the coming days. We're almost at the end of our time, but let's take another minute or so to talk about practically how can I, I'm a simple believer, I consider myself to be quite weak really in the body of Christ, and yet here comes someone who, as he pointed out, is even weaker than I am. How can I possibly water this one, Bob? Well, this is a very good question, Chris. This certainly needs or requires that we would experience Christ and enjoy Christ. Since Christ is the water, in order for us to water others, we need to possess, we need to enjoy this Christ and gain this Christ and have Christ that we can offer to them, right? So we need to experience Christ, enjoy Christ ourselves. Then, whenever we're with one another, we just minister this very Christ to them, either by unveiling something concerning Christ that we received when we were reading the Word, yeah, or telling others how Christ was our enjoyment or Christ supplied us with his life, with his resurrection power, with himself in an ordinary situation in our daily life. As long as we experience him in our daily life, in a daily way, and as long as we enjoy him, we will have something of Christ that we can minister to others. Really, the watering then is just our bringing uh, one another to the one who is the water of life. And that is, as you said, the very Christ. So just our uh, coming together to approach the Lord often is uh, enough, isn't it? That's right. It's important that we come together and that we come to the Lord together. Bob, uh, a very, very rich, significant portion of this book is now before us. We've just, as uh, we pointed out at the beginning today, enjoyed the uh, introductory message, I would say, in this portion. And uh, Lord willing, we hope that you'll be back to share uh, the microphone as we continue on in this passage. I would be happy to come back. I really, really appreciate this portion of 1 Corinthians. Yeah, I do as well. And I think it was really fresh the way it came out today. So we'll look to the Lord for more of that in the days ahead. Um, if you'd like to get the printed messages that go along with the programs, uh, we would very much recommend that. You can contact us. We have a toll-free number for you. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 
888-528-92814 or send email to radio at lsm.org and that will get to us. Also, our website can be found at www.lifestudy.com and uh, at our website, we like to mention from time to time, of course, we have uh, a bit about the broadcast and the history of the program, but more importantly, we have all of our past archived programs available for you to download and listen to whenever you have the time or opportunity uh, right on your computer. So once again, that's www.lifestudy.com. Uh, I would like to thank Matt Miller for taking uh, this chair for a few days while I was away. A big help to have Matt here, and I'm sure you had uh, some good fellowship with Matt as well. Um, but I will be here, Lord willing, the rest of this week as we continue on in this live study of First Corinthians. We hope you're enjoying it. We'd love to hear from you. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.